I believe I have a word from the Lord for Grow Life Church today. And I've said, thus saith the Lord three times in my life. I've said it a bunch of times jokingly. But like seriously, like thus saith the Lord, prophetic word from God. And I'm going to say it for the fourth time today. I'm going to say it. So hang on to your seats. You might want to buckle your seatbelt. I don't know because we're about to pop off. But first, let's go to Ephesians 4. If you turn in your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screens. But starting in verse 11, let me set it up for you. This is Paul writing to the the church in Ephesus that he set up. He set up a church in Ephesus and left it, okay? And he gave it to Timothy, all right? So Paul, the apostle, he sets up a church and then gives it to Timothy, and then he writes a letter to it, all right? You got to know that that's what this is. This isn't just some random book with a bunch of writings in it. This is a collection of letters. Say a letter. Oh, we're going to have lots of crowd interaction. So let's just get started. Say a letter. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So this is just a very small part of the letter, but he goes into uh, giving Timothy instructions to instruct the church about the way the church should run. Okay. Did you catch that? Paul is instructing the church leader on how the church should run. And so he's talking about Jesus when he says, and he appointed in this passage, which we're going to get to in just a second. You can keep it up there. And he's saying that Jesus, just before there, he actually, he who ascended, descended into hell and actually took a host of captives with him. Now, there's a lot of mystery packed in there. But do you know, did you know that Jesus didn't just die? He went into hell and grabbed everybody who was captive and pulled them out. Yes, he did. He did. That's what the Bible says. Everyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. And so he went in there. I'm talking about Abraham. I'm talking about Isaac. I'm talking about David. He went in there and said, hey, boys, time to go home. Bang. And he took a host of captives with him. Isn't that cool? Come on. He stood, he stood the devil up and said, give me the keys. You don't, you don't own this place anymore. Give me the keys. I'm about to set these people free. That's what I'm doing. That's what he was doing for three days in the grave. You ever wonder? Like, what did God do when he was in the grave for three days, you know, God dies. Have you ever thought about this stuff? I'm very, I'm a thinker. I question things. I'm like, how did God die? My vanguardists are here. They, they know I get into some crazy questions. I just ask questions, and I think it's okay. I don't think God is afraid of your questions. Come on, I think God wants you to ask questions. I think God gave you a beautiful brain to use, <laughs> not to be a vegetable, not to just stare at somebody and listen to them on Sundays. No, you should be thinking about the things that are being said to you. And you should be questioning them. And you should trust that your leaders are not so insecure that you can't ask questions. <laughs> because if you got people that you can't ask questions, I would, I would seriously reconsider following them. <laughs> you have some leaders you can ask questions to. Just saying. So, Jesus descended takes a host of captives with him, and then as he was leading a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. Say, he gave gifts. So, these are the gifts. It says, just a little before that, it's not on the screen, but verse 7, it says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right, now I'm, I told you I got, a lot to, I got a lot to do, so I'm going to talk really fast, okay? So there's the gifts of the Spirit. Say, the gifts of the Spirit. And then there's the gifts of Christ, all right? The gifts of the Spirit, you know, healing, all that stuff, you know, prophecy, all that. And then there's the gift of Christ, which are people. There's a gift of the Spirit that everybody can function in prophecy. Everybody can pray for the sick, all that stuff. And then there's the gift of Christ that he gave the, the earth, the church, people. And here's what those gifts are. This is, this is what he said. And he 
I'll just read it from here. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles. This is out of the Passion Translation. Some with grace to be prophets. Some with grace to be evangelists. And some with the grace to be pastors. And some with the grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. To nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These, these grace ministries will function until, say until, until we all attain oneness into the faith. How many know we ain't there yet? Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. We definitely ain't there yet. I'm just saying, come on, somebody. Do we need these gifts still? If it's until this? Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Come on, that's a lot of fullness. That's a lot of awesome that's supposed to be on the earth. And we need apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to make that happen. But you need to understand a couple things about that. There is a difference between, this is where I'm going, and I know this might feel left field for you, but I, it's going to build somewhere. So just, if you're confused, just hang on. It's okay. It's very strange, but who is this long-haired hippie guy? Whatever. Okay. So there's a difference between the office and the function of the fivefold. Okay, so say the office... And the function. Let me give you an example. How many of you believers are called to evangelize? How many of you? Raise your hand. Everyone should have their hand in the air. All of you are called to lead people to Jesus, right? There aren't any believers exempt from the whole leading people to Jesus thing, right? Like you don't get a pass on that. Your life is supposed to lead people into an encounter with the person of love. Your life should be leading people into an encounter with love. The person of love, Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean you have the office of the evangelist. There's a difference between the office and the function. There's the office, say the office, and the function. Okay, so let me back up a little bit to the word apostle. The word, I just watched that movie, Mission Impossible, the new one. And they, they, if you ever want to know what God is about to do on the earth, look what the devil is trying to pervert. If you want to figure out what God is about to do, on the earth, look what the devil is trying to pervert. I prepared this thing on Tuesday. I went and saw this movie. came out on Thursday, I think. I'm not sure. And you know what the bad guys are called in that movie? Sorry, spoiler. They're called the apostles. All the bad guys, they're called the apostles. I'm not kidding. If you haven't seen the movie, it was hilarious. I'm sitting there like, holy ghost. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. So... (laughs) If you want to know what God is about to unleash on the earth, look what the devil is trying to pervert. That's the truth. It's, look at family dynamics. Look at, the, you know, have you heard about the bride of Christ more often lately? Yeah? Anybody? Yeah. So have you noticed that there's all this gender stuff? And like men are supposed to be a part of a bride? What is that? If you want to know what God is about to unleash on the earth, look what the devil is trying to pervert. I'm not saying being devil focused. I hate that. Just have him long enough to get him in the crosshairs and take him out. That's all you need. All right? But I'm saying it's just a principle. So the apostles, I need to give you some context. The word apostle is not, was not a Christian or holy term when Jesus used it. 
This is historical fact. This is not in your Bibles. This is just history and research, okay? Are you okay? Can I tell you some things that aren't in the Bible? Is that all right? Okay. So the apostle word that Jesus used would have been extremely offensive to the Jews that he was saying it to. He says, I call you as apostles. And they're like, really? What? Here's why. Because the apostle term came from the Roman government. It came from the Roman process of creating culture in conquered lands. So this is what would happen. Rome would come in and wipe a bunch of people out, and they would defeat everybody. The battle would be over. Say, the battle would be over. The victory would be won. Say, the victory would be won. Come on. The victory would be won. That's Then they would send a fleet of ships, and they only had one navigator per fleet because they were hard to find back in the day. And they put the navigator on the very front ship, and they flew in a V like this. And they would have the front ship with the navigator. And they would, each ship would like look to the left and the left or the right or the right, you know. And they would follow the navigator. Guess what that lead ship was called? It was called the apostle ship. It was the apostle ship. They would hit the beach first. And they would come leading a whole fleet of culture carriers. A newly conquered land would need to be renovated and reformed to look like Rome so that when the emperor got there, he'd feel at home. I'm telling you history. This is what would happen. They would conquer the land. Then they'd send the culture shifters to the conquered land to make it look and feel like Rome. So when the emperor got there, he couldn't tell the difference between home and Rome. He was there and he felt like home. Romey felt homey. All right. Okay. So that's trying to help you stick it in something with some some laughter I don't know so that's what an apostle did and when Jesus said I send you out as apostles he meant in that context come on how many know that Jesus said take you will have trouble in this world but take heart I have overcome the world here's the reality the battle is over people you are called into true apostolic ministry as the new Church, the Reformation Church, the, those who reform culture, they're not fighting the battle. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, listen to me. If you think you have any of that in you anywhere, you're not called to fight the battle. You're called to shift culture after the battle's been won. Jesus won the battle on the cross, defeated them. It's over, done. The devil is defeated, disarmed, defeated, nubby, all right? He's nubs. Disarmed, defeated. You'll get that later. It's okay. And you are called to come in and change culture. Shifting culture so that when Jesus returns, it looks like heaven. You're supposed to make this place look like his place so that when he gets here, it feels like home. How many know Jesus is coming back? And he wants to feel at home when he gets here. He wants to put his feet up. He wants to sit down on the couch like, yeah, I'd recognize this place. Come on. He said the, the most apostolic thing you can do is pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is an apostolic prayer. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is an apostolic commission. It's because going to all the earth, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I commanded you. Discipling nations is what we're supposed to do. Teaching nations what the culture of heaven is like. Now, the Roman apostleship situation was like, hey, y'all got to get rid of all your culture. Nope, we're going to tear that building down. We're going to build a new one. Nope, you're not going to eat that food anymore. We're bringing new food. Nope, you're not going to sing that song anymore. We have new music. They would bring musicians. That was what was on the other ship, the other ships. So when it comes to 
the apostolic ministry, there's the office of the apostle and the function of apostolic ministry. Everybody is called into apostolic ministry, but we need apostles to release the grace for us to function in the apostolic. That's why we still need apostles. Okay, and I don't have time to break down every other fivefold gift, but here's the reality. That's how everything works. You are not operating in the highest form of an evangelist if you're the only one who leads people to Jesus. You're functioning in evangelism. But if you are the one in the office of an evangelist, you should be equipping the saints for the work of evangelism. You should get around them and feel like you need to lead people to Jesus. Like you're, the, the prophet is not the one who comes to your church and prophesies. No, that's not someone off, operating in the office of the prophet. Are you okay? Are you with me? I'm, I feel like I'm confusing you. But the reality is the office of the prophet releases a grace for others to prophesy. The office releases a grace for the function. The pastors release a grace for the function of shepherding. Men, you should be taught by pastors how to shepherd your family. You should be taught how to shepherd a community of friends, how to lead them, how to guide them, how to care for them by pastors. If you're around that, if a pastor is operating in that office, then that's what should be happening. Now, it's, if you're thinking of names and people and all that stuff, because we have some of these titles floating around here, here's the reality. There's been such bad teaching on this. Don't blame your leaders. Don't blame people who have those titles for not doing this, because it's so bad, man. Here's what's happened. We've been given an office, and we're doing the ministry. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> We've been given an office, and we do the ministry. We're not been taught. We're fighting. James is fighting for this. People are fighting for this. But the reality is recent history has shown that those who have those offices, they're not equipping the saints for the ministry. They're doing the ministry. They're the guy in the suit, the nice black fitted shirt that you come to and get prayer for. <laughs> they're the ones you come to because they they're, the, they're the prophet. They're the evangelist. They're the pastor. It's not supposed to be that way. I'm telling you, what the Bible says is for the equipping of the saints to do the ministry. You know you're operating in your office if you're the last one to pray for somebody. You know you're operating in your office if you don't even need to show up, and it still happens. That's what I'm talking about. So this word equipping of the saints, this word for the equipping of the saints is the one time it's used. It wasn't in that translation, but if you look in an ESV or things like that. It's the one time it's used in Scripture. Now, I think that's important. You know, if something's only used once by God, like God, the Word, decides to say a word one time, we should pay attention, right? I think that's important. And it's literally a fitness term. I can't say it in the Greek or whatever, but it literally means to get the body into shape. The fivefold is here to whip you into shape. It's to put you on the treadmill and say, turn it up a notch. Come on, you can do it. It's the one that says, oh, no, you ain't, you ain't doing a cheat day. No, you are not. Get out there and get it. That's what I'm saying. No, it's leg day, sister friend. Let's go. That's what the apostle apostolic ministry does. That's what the fivefold ministry does. They are for the, the word is actually can be translated, per, translated perfecting. For the perfecting of the body. For the, like, trimming the fat. Getting them into health. Until we attain the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Are you seeing this picture? It's to make the body fit so that we would stand up into the stature of Jesus. And when the people of the earth, the world, look at the church, they go, that looks just like Jesus. And they're going to want what you got. And they're going to let you come in and say, no, no, not that song, this one. No, no, not that food, this type. 
No, no, no. In heaven, we eat this. In heaven, we sound like this. In heaven, it smells like this. I know you got your own thing, but let me just, they're going to actually ask for it if, you're, if the church is operating in the way they should be. Now, Jesus gave us this, this picture in John 13, actually. So we're going to read that very quickly because I'm running out of time. All right? So this is one of the most radical moments in the entire New Testament for me. Okay? This is so absolutely ridiculous what's about to happen. You've heard this story before, but hear it with new ears, please. This is where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, all right? So you got to understand, James taught on this beautifully just a few weeks ago. So this, if you didn't see that, you need to go back and watch it. But it was the lowest job. It was the absolute grungiest thing you could do, okay, back in that day is touch somebody's stank feet, all right? The grungiest thing ever. I know we pay people now to do it, like pedicures and stuff. But back in the day, it was just lowest of the low garbage, like garbage men looked better than these people, okay? Like it was awful. I think the word that James used, James used was toe cheese. Yeah, that's, yeah, dealing with people's toe cheese. Yeah, should not have brought that back around. I just got a little queasy. That's what this was, okay? But I'm going to read this. And I'm going to point out a few things. This is where it happened. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now that he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Did you hear that? He longed to show them the full measure of his love. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal in the heart of Judas, Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Sorry, I don't have my passion translation. You're going to have to keep going there. Keep going. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. This is the moment that's just so wild to me. Jesus was fully aware. Say fully aware. That the Father had placed all things under his control. Come on. Jesus was fully aware that all things were under him. And what did he do? He got under them. He was fully cognizant of the fact that I am in charge of everything. And what does he decide to do? Take the lowest place possible and get under them. This is true apostolic ministry right here. And your servanthood will reveal your revelation of your authority. As a believer, it's not how many people follow you. It's not how many people quote you. It's not how many people listen to you at your whatever life group or anything. Your servanthood, your life of servanthood will reveal your revelation of your authority in Christ. It's not people following you. It's you getting under them and taking care of the toe cheese. Uh huh. Fully aware that the father placed all things under his control for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. He got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. We're going to stop there. I wanted to keep going, but I don't have time. So this is true apostolic ministry. Having a revelation of your authority in Christ and serving others. Now, here's what you need to function in the apostolic function that God has given every believer. Do you see how the, thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven is an apostolic prayer? That's an apostolic man. Do you see that? Yes? Okay. So every believer is called to operate in the apostolic, but we need apostles to release the grace for that function. Are you following me? We need to give apostles their place to release the grace 
for our function in the apostolic ministry. We are living in an apostolic age. We are. Pastors should not be the head of churches. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. It's a bottom-up thing. The apostles are the tip of the spear, but it's a bottom-up. It's getting down underneath and lifting up. And I have to jump right to the end right here. But this is the word of the Lord for Grow Life Church. Thus saith the Lord, receive this gift. Receive this gift. Receive the gift of Apostle James. Let me clarify something for you. You can hold multiple offices. Paul held the office of apostle, prophet, and teacher. He was numbered among the prophets at Antioch. He was an apostle to the church, and he was a teacher. He said, I'm a teacher. So he held multiple offices. To be clear, I just, if in my diagnosis, if it means anything, you have an apostle pastor. He's an apostle pastor. He's both. He has both offices. Now, let me be clear. Like, I tell my church that I am not a pastor. What I mean is I don't have the office, but I can function in pastoral ministry because I've had great pastors who have released that grace to me. Are you following? So, this is, thus saith the Lord, I'll say it again, receive the gift. You need to receive the gift. And on this, later on in this story, you know, Peter, right? When Jesus is going down the line, he gets to Peter. And Peter says, you will not wash my feet. Everyone knows this, yeah? If you don't know, it's okay. Peter, one of the dudes, just refuses Jesus. And he says, if you don't let me, you have no part in me. And then Peter tries to say, well, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, just your feet. So here's what you need to take away from this. And I'm so serious about this. I mean it. You don't get to refuse his washing. And you don't get to dictate his washing. Let him release a grace for you to function in the missional apostolic mandate that is on Grow Life Church. If he says it needs to be this way, trust him. If he says I need to go do this, trust him. If he says this is the person for that, trust him. And I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. There's been an abuse of these titles. There's been an abuse of these things. So I'm probably freaking like 60% of you out. But I'm telling you from experience, from two and a half years of experience, this man can be trusted. This man is a foot washer. This man is an apostle of the highest call and he's called to Pasco County. I'm going to Hillsboro, so it's all good. He's called to Pasco County. (laughs) And I'm standing up here affirming the call on his life. You need to understand, Grow Life Church, and I'm saying this because it's my last day and I'm just out, all right? I'm, you need to understand, it's not going to look like your church history. It's not even going to look like the Grow Life history. Things are going to change around here in the way that he functions because he's attempting to step into an apostolic office that would release the grace for you to be on mission every day. And you need to let him. Turn to your neighbor and say, let him do it. Let him do it. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I'm serious about this. I'm serious. Especially if it freaks you out. Let him do it. Let him do it. I'm serious. We need to start trusting these offices again. And you have a trustworthy leader. You have a John 13 foot washing leader. He has washed my feet. He has got underneath me. He has lifted me up. He's become a foundation for my life. That I can stamp on. I can stand on. He's become a true foundation for my life. 
He's an overseer whose foundation. That's how it works. That's how it works. Amen? So, I want to just give you an opportunity right now to agree with that idea, to agree with that heart, and to move into a season of apostolic ministry in this church. And all I mean by that is you're going to take territory. It's already been defeated. You're going to enact the victory of Christ in Pasco County, in Wesley Chapel, Lutz and Land Lakes. What do I mean by the victory of Christ? I mean like families restored. I mean like depression eradicated. I mean homelessness solved. I mean drug use done away with. I mean trafficking as like a historical footnote. It used to happen. That's what I mean. Enacting the victory of Christ. Now, if you don't really want to see heaven come, you don't have a passion for that, that's fine. Get around James and let him release a grace for you to have a passion for that. That's what I'm telling you. That's how this works. You have to honor. Check. You have to honor the gift in order to receive the blessing of that ministry. You have to honor the gift.